0: Welcome to Hip Hop with Pop. I'm Rashad Myers.
1: And I'm John. I'm Pop. Um, the old
0: man. We're just, uh, we thought this would be a good idea to, uh, to kind of sit down with one another and share our favorite types of music with one another. So basically what we're going to see is two guys sharing music and finding out what the other one likes and why. And just going to try and keep it interesting for everybody involved. This episode of Hip Hop with Pop is brought to you by 314 City Gear. 314 City Gear is proud of its hometown and is committed to giving back. As such, 3.14% of our sales will be donated quarterly to a different charity serving the St. Louis area. Please be sure to drop by our website for more information on the amazing organizations we are partnering with and plan to support. Please consider joining us in our support of these organizations. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up on all the new products and offers. 314 City Gear. wrap the 314. This episode is also brought to you by Leah Myers with Keller Williams Realty, the number one office in St. Louis. Contact Leah for all your real estate needs at 314-277-2586 or Leah Myers, that's M-Y-E-R-S, at kw.com. And now, back to the show
1: yeah well um, anything you wanted to say well i'm just glad to be here and i'm going to be talking about my favorite genre of music although i enjoy and grew up listening to all genres uh, classical a little bit of that and country uh, and a little bit of jazz as it was getting started and of course of course blues I am a mississippi guy and i grew up on mississippi blues my father played a little blues as he grew up as as a young man and blues was all around my community as i grew up and i got a chance to hear some outstanding blues artists as i grew up who were already famous who had come to chicago and then going back to mississippi and so blues is part of my heritage okay and along those
0: lines it's kind of part of all of our heritage if you think about um the way that blues has influenced rock and roll, um, and the effects that hip hop has had on, um, I guess you could say, popular culture. And it's also worth mentioning that uh, blues and hip hop are two distinctly American uh, genres of music. You won't yeah. find uh, roots to that in any other countries except for the United States, and so it's, uh, it's something that's pretty important to us. Uh, I guess you could say it, it should be important to all of us, really. It's, um, it's, it's part of our history. it's part of our story and we'd kind of like to celebrate that with you guys so with that being said i am going to share with you my favorite mc of all time the notorious big christopher wallace i would say that he's probably in everyone's top five Uh, that's how kind of how a lot of mcs would like And i say mcs uh i guess i can get back to that what that means but that's kind of the the litmus test by which rappers or hip-hop artists are are kind of measured like who's your top five you Mm -hmm. know so I would say you know he would easily be on Mount Rushmore of of rappers (laughs) Um, and there's reason why um, because of his smooth flow expert storyteller and he's very realistic in in his descriptions and I I guess just the way that he tells stories a lot of times about crime and, and his drug trade and all that good stuff, but um, uh, I really just like the way that he puts his thoughts together. Um, it's also worth mentioning that he is unique in that um, he didn't, when he went into the, into the booth to record his albums and his records, he didn't carry in a notepad with all of his raps written down. He, mm. would, he would memorize them all well. and then just remember them and, uh, and, and record them. So that's, that's really,
1: it's rare. Where did he did, did he get started? Where is he from?
0: He's from Brooklyn, um, Bedford Stuyvesant. Cyberson. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. He's, uh,
0: okay. So yeah, he's uh, a New York MC, and um, no one in Brooklyn, everybody in Brooklyn knows who he is. Let's just okay. put it that way. Okay. okay. So So uh, with with no further ado, I'm gonna play for you uh, "Juicy" by the Notorious B.I.G. Okay. Oh,
2: yeah, This out
0: is the lyrics to All the teachers
2: that told me I never allowed tonight to All the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from They called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter And all the niggas in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good, baby, baby uh hard to hard. you never thought that hip-hop would take it this far, now I'm in the limelight cause I ride tight, time to get paid, blow up like the world trade, born sinner, the opposite of a winner, remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner, Easter blonde G, Brucey B, kids free, fuck master flex, love bug star ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would, call the crib, same number, same hood, it's all good, uh, and if you don't know, now you know, nigga.
0: Okay, so, uh,
1: what did you think? Uh, it's interesting. I saw some, uh, picked up some, some lyrics, some similarities to, to blues uh, in this particular song. By the way, when was this recorded, this particular? Uh, um, this yeah. should have been like 1995. 1995. Yeah. In blues, there are uh, basically three themes that emerge in songs, one of three things. Theme- theme sometimes three themes all in one song it's about jobs about relationship with the ladies or it is about traveling and so many of the songs that you hear from Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and BB King and others uh, the King boy it'll be about uh, the idea of one of the, one of those uh, three themes and uh, and I pick up some of that in popular music as well about moving on relationships and so forth. And so I wanna talk about my favorite all-time blues artist. And his name is Chester Arthur Burnett. Okay. A name that you perhaps have never heard before. You would know this artist as Howlin' Wolf. Oh yeah, yeah. I've
0: heard Howlin' Wolf
1: was named after the 21st, 21st President of the United States Chester Arthur, Arthur was uh, inaugurated in uh, 1857, two terms. So uh, Howland Wolf was born in Mississippi, uh, down near uh, uh, West Point, near Tupelo, Mississippi. As a matter of fact, uh, in the old days, if you were to go to the Holiday Inn in downtown Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, you would go into the hallway and you would see two big photographs, two big pictures of two artists. Hmm. One is Howland Wolf, the other one was Elvis Presley
0: hmm.
1: and there was a big bear in there as well but uh, that's the background uh, where Howlin' Howland Wolf came from and uh, he was a singer, he was a guitarist, he was a harmonica player and he did some writing as well. He was a, quite a talented guy, he was a big guy about 6'5 uh, depending on the time frame, either way up in 250 to 300 pounds. <laughs> in fact one of his songs was called 300 Pounds of Joy was his, one of the titles of a hit song that he made, but he made a num- number of hits, and he re- was recruited by someone that we may know uh, as well. Uh, that was a, a a guy who was a t- talent scout uh, looking for talent in the black community, and he found a number of people, one of which was Howlin' Wolf, and that person was Ike Turner, we know as Ike and Tina Turner's band. Hmm. Ike, in essence, founded, found... Howlin' Wolf and had him signed with Chess Records in Chicago uh, in early 1950s, and some of his songs include uh, Smokestack Lightning, and that's uh, perhaps uh, a signature song, uh, and uh, I'll let you play it, and I'll talk about it uh, a bit, okay? <laughs>
0: That's cool Uh, So what did you think? What really stands out to me About that particular artist Is his unique voice He has like this Gravelly uh, Larger than life Voice But then he also Goes up high Into a falsetto And you know Sings And it kind of reminds It makes me think about uh, That old Richard Pryor skit When he's like Back in my day Boy you had to be able To sing to get some Get some women. Yeah, <laughs> and okay, so I'm glad, I <laughs> glad you clean that up. <laughs> so I'm just. I mean, I'm, I also wanted to, to say it's it's unclear though to most people, probably what he was in, even talking about in that in that in that song. So that's,
1: that's true indeed. As I mentioned before, the idea of the themes of blues most often is traveling. Hmm. And this particular song is called Smoke Stack Lightning, which is basically uh, referring to a train, most particularly the Illinois Central Railroad train that traversed from as far south as New Orleans and stopped at the at the train station, Central Station in Chicago. Mm. So uh, all through the Delta from, uh, from uh, New Orleans to Jackson uh, to Memphis, and then up through Southern Illinois, not to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. The train would go to Carbondale, uh, Illinois, and if you went to come to St. Louis, you'd have to tr- uh, get off that train and get on another one, but still on the train, you go through uh, Champaign and ultimately downtown Chicago, and that's how a lot of artists uh, got from the Delta Mississippi mm-hmm. to Chicago. And is that why they
0: all ended up in one place or the other? Like, not not really a whole, I mean, there's Memphis, sure, and but it seems to me like you know you're either in Chicago or
1: you were that's a very good point if you're from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama uh, and Tennessee obviously and, and Arkansas if you were an artist blues artist you would end up either going to Memphis and staying there but many did not they would get on that same train or get a car and get to Chicago only a few came to St. Louis and stayed in St. Louis. Hmm. I mentioned that uh, this one artist whose name uh, is Albert King, who is from Mississippi as well, spent some time in Memphis for a period of time, did some recordings there, but then ultimately left there and came to Chicago, left Chicago and came to St. Louis. Louis. Nice, he had some good sense. And uh, ultimately he made his home in uh, Brooklyn, Illinois, across the river from here, and we'll talk about him in a second. But uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf uh, was uh, a, an artist that I like because of the reasons that you mentioned it, this tremendous gravelly voice and be able, able to reach the higher pitches as well. Multi talented in terms of the guitar and uh, harmonica and singing and writing as well. And uh, he was also an outstanding manager. We don't think of blues artists back in those days as being good managers, but he basically promoted himself, his own band. Mm -hmm. He hired his own musicians. He didn't have a manager. He set up all the club dates around where he uh, traveled to in essence. So he was a multi-talented guy Mm. uh, uh, in that regard. And let me also add, before I move on to another artist, he was able to assemble, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest bands of the blues era. In addition to in addition to Muddy Waters as well. Muddy Waters had a great band and there was some conflict between Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf in Chicago.
0: Hmm.
1: Muddy Waters played on the south side of Chicago. Okay. That was his territory. Okay. Howlin' Wolf was on the west side of Chicago. That was his territory. And they respected each other in the sense that they didn't play clubs on either side that belonged to the other artists. Wow, all right. And <laughs> that was the kind of tradition Uh, Albert King uh, went to Chicago and he played on the west side with with, the Howlin' Wolf in that area. But what happened was uh, in terms of uh, these blues bands, Muddy Waters had an outstanding harmonica player whose name was Walter Jacobs or Marion Jacobs, little Walter Jacobs as, as he called. And he didn't, he's not from Mississippi. He came from Louisiana. Can't all
0: be perfect, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah, and he came and he played with Marty Waters, and I, in my opinion, as I said, the greatest blues player of all times. And he and Muddy Waters had a a a spat, a falling out, and uh, it became known to Howlin' Wolf that Little Walter Jacobs was was available to play, and Howlin' Wolf on the on the West Side hired Little Walter to come play with his band, and then that caused conflict between murder Waters, and and Howlin' Wolf, a conflict that was never never resolved uh, mm-hmm. up until their, their death, in essence. But uh, Howlin' Wolf was uh, an artist who had a number of great hits, uh, Killing Floor, and let me just mention that one song as well, talking about uh, jobs. When people left Mississippi, going to Chicago, there were a number of jobs available to them, but the job most often available to a person who had no skills was to work in the stockyards
0: mm-hmm.
1: and work in the in the area of herding cattle and pigs, and also to slaughter them. And, and Hollywood so has a song called was? "The Killing Floor." That's a slaughterhouse hmm. where the job was that person to come in and actually to kill this. In this case, the hog, the pigs, and had them slaughtered to go to Carter Hay and Swift and Armour uh, meatpacking companies. And one a job you didn't want to do, uh, it, one of the things you, you had to do for a period of time, is work on the killing floor. But hopefully, you could do that for a short term and move on to do something else, to cutting up the meat or doing yeah. something else. But not the killing floor. It was bloody, uh, it was noisy, and uh, most people didn't like to do it. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. So I mean pigs they they eat just about anything right right. wouldn't they they eat the the pig that you just killed Yes, right okay Yes, right
1: yes they would they would and that was uh howlin wolf and um howlin wolf played and lived on the west side of chicago and when i was living in chicago before you were born uh, i was a student at loyola university downtown chicago taking night classes and uh, one evening, after having traveled, I was a traveling salesman uh, for the Midwest. I was traveling to Wisconsin, driving and driving to Iowa, southern Illinois, central Illinois, Indiana, uh, Michigan, and so forth. So I came in on Friday night and and uh, had my class. Got out about 9:30. I still had a lot of energy. I was not ready to, to go to bed and and so forth. And I just happened to recall that Highland Wolf was playing at a club on on the west side of Chicago. And I went over there about 10, 10 30 on a Friday night, small club and like a two or three dollar cover charge. And I went into this little club and I was kind of surprised with a famous guy like this, I thought it would be crowded with uh, a number of people there, it was not. And uh, I think I was one of the few young, at the time, black guys who were there. Hmm. Most of the people at that club were not uh, black, they were from Loyola, they were from DePaul University, Northwestern, um, and other schools like that in the area coming to hear the blues. Hmm. It, was, it was, blues was in this time frame was phasing out as rock and roll was coming in mm-hmm. and they were not really being appreciated by a lot of people. And so I heard um, Holloway play and I got close to the stage and he had a box of harmonicas about, he must have had a dozen harmonicas in there, and as he played different songs, he would use different harmonicas to play them. And sure, it was just uh, outstanding, different different keys, uh, and for my three or four, two or three bucks, whatever I paid to get it, I got my money's worth yeah. that Friday night, seeing Wolf <laughs> up live, uh, up front, personal close, and so forth, almost could touch the guy. And that was, to me, a great, great deal. That's Thrill. cool. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess we'll segue on. Um, I'm going to play for you, now, um, a song called "hypnotized" by the notorious BIG, one of my favorite songs of all time, just because of the way that he links the way he moves from one rhyme style and mm. from one rhyme scheme to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just just the way that he puts the words and ideas together is just super interesting to me, and i and I love it. It's I think I played it at the wedding, at at my wedding. Okay. so okay, um, here we go. Notorious BIG
2: hypnotize. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, come a <laughs> <laughs> Bruce cool do something to us, talk, go through us. Talk to us, wanna do us, screw us, who us? Yeah, Papa and pop, <laughs> close like Starsky <laughs> and Hutch, stick to clutch, yeah, I squeeze three at your cherry M3, bang every MC, take that. easily, Take that. easily, huh? recently, niggas frontin', ain't sayin' nothin', so I just keep my peace. keep my peace. Cubans with the Jesus peace. with you. my peace. packin', after who want it? They on it, niggas it, that Brooklyn bullshit, <laughs> yeah. we on it can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. Guess it's why they're in you so big Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. Guess it's why they're in you so I put. It Y on DKNY, uh, Miami DC, prefer Versace, mm-hmm. gotcha. all Philly holes, no with mosquito no. every cutie with the booty, boy the coochie <laughs> now he's the real dookie who's really the shit? Some niggas ride dicks. Frank White puts me six on the Lexus. LX, four and a half. Bulletproof glass chips. if I want some ass. Gone blast, squeeze those ass questions last. That's how most of these so-called gangsters pass. Bala. At last, a nigga rappin' about blunts and bras. Tits and bras, the nausea twas. Lips and expensive cars. They still leave you on the paper. Condo paid for, no car payment. Uh-huh. At my arraignment, no for the cleaners. The daughter's tied up in the Brooklyn basement.
0: Okay. Initial
1: reactions. Still some reference to uh, to hometown of Brooklyn again here. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, in that regard, I was wondering some of the lyrics here are so indigenous to America. Would you have difficult explaining the lyrics, understanding, to a person who is not of this culture? Uh, almost certainly.
0: I mean, uh, you can you can see in the first stanza, um, it's even regional, like how mm-hmm. you know he says "pink gators," my Detroit players. That's because they have a distinctive way to st- to dress. Yeah. Tim's from my hooligans in Brooklyn. Yeah. Timberland is a, is a is a particular brand of boot. Okay. Uh, and it's like, it, it's just a, like a very regional. He's referring to different styles that are popular in different regions, like okay. saying he's he's been all over the place. Right. Like he's seen it all, he knows what's going on everywhere. And it's, it's cool because he'll say some stuff like that. And then he'll turn around and say, his, like his nickname, he used to call himself Big Papa. And he he says, Papa been smooth since days under ruse, <laughs> like since he's been a little kid. Yeah. So I just think. So- I, I, he's just showing off his mastery of right. the of, language, of the uh, language yeah, and yeah. taking stuff, taking these different ideas and 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 making it so that everybody everybody knows what it's like to be an underoose. You know. Okay.
1: Well, for people who live in Brooklyn or quote yeah. in the neighborhood or in the hood, they understand many of these lyrics. Oh, sure, yeah. But if uh, in order to gain popularity, for example. If if a a person lived in the hood in London or Amsterdam or in the hood in Tokyo, they wouldn't understand any of the language being being uh, well, used here necessarily, would they?
0: I think I think they might if they're if they had familiarity in the hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the things that he's talking about, are, it, it's like you kind of said, they're they're either talking about a job someplace or a woman or mm-hmm. or, or, or you know, yeah. the rap is just very braggadocious and. Like so, guys will talk about their style. They'll talk about, and there's so many references to style and different name brands that he that he that he brings up here: Decan, mm-hmm. Y Versace, Moschino, Coogee, Like he's just talking, and it, it's it's obvious that he's showing that he's mastered like fashion, yeah. and then yeah. and then also um, like so they, they talk about style and they talk about you know their relationships with women, and how many women a guy can get. You know that's. It's, mm-hmm. it's a young man's game. It's right, like,
1: of course. Yeah, I understand. you know. So, uh, yeah.
0: but yeah, yeah. I think the hip hop culture is one that's just so it, everyone is welcome, right? And and these spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. So it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. If you know these things and you're down with the culture, okay. And okay. I think that you you you'll you'll come to understand these things that he's talking about.
1: So what I find a, a hip hop culture in Rome or in singapore or in sao paulo absolutely absolutely hip-hop is insanely uh, <laughs> popular
0: worldwide okay. um asia very much so and it's it's kind of a uh, asia in fact is kind of a, uh, a symbiotic relationship there um and we'll get to that uh, in terms of like the the wu-tang um influence on, on on music and east asian civilization influence on them and why it's such a cool uh, like melding of the two and and why it's been so successful mm-hmm. worldwide i mean these guys still tour mm-hmm. and um they still sell records in in you know abroad so mm-hmm. um yeah these things they translate you know a lot of the the things that he's talking about here in his rhymes like it comes from the hood you know it's it's right. it's kind of like um kind of like pizza you know like we're uh, you take the scraps, the leftovers, the little tiny bits and nuggets uh, mm. that, that people don't want, and you, you take something, together, and you make something beautiful make out it of it. it. Okay, um, yeah. and, and you'll find that, especially with um, with some of the beats and the, uh, that, that you'll hear, um, a lot of times you'll find their old soul records, like a little a little sample of a soul mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. You've, yeah, you've probably I've heard it. a million I've times. Said, yeah, and they take it, they and put flip it, snip it. And a snippet I, agree. And,
1: I hear you. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. And in the songs. What I found interesting is that in the case of blues, blues is indigenous and American uh, genre, as you mentioned before. And it was able to attract audiences around the world, most particularly in Western Europe where people mm-hmm. sp- spoke a little, little English. So I could go to a club in London and hear some outstanding blues. As a matter of fact, uh, a few years ago, uh, we were in, in, in Amsterdam and heard some outstanding blues artists like from the Delta, Mississippi, in Amsterdam.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And uh, given the history of blues, as I mentioned before, during the 1960s, early 60s timeframe, late 60s as well, blues uh, fell on hard times in our country as people began to accept more uh, rock and roll and Hmm. more jazz as well. And artists like B.B. King, Howlin' Wolf, uh, Elmore James and so forth had a difficult time uh, getting an audience to 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 play to or to buy their records. But then, uh, as their music uh, began to be heard in England, for example, mm-hmm. by the Beatles and by the Rolling Stones and so forth, the Stones recorded music and brought it back here. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, uh, Americans began to reappreciate really what they had here that had been brought back to them in part by the British groups, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, That's interesting. just kind of interesting uh, uh, movement uh, traverse of blues from uh, from around the world. It's a universal uh, language in terms of, uh, as I said before, the themes of jobs and relationships, mm-hmm. and 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 traveling from one place to another. Uh, getting back to that re- that regard, as you well know, there is a English group called the Rolling Stones. Do you know where that name came from, the Rolling Stones? Uh,
0: Papa was a Rolling Stone Wherever he that's, made his that's hat a, was his that's
1: a good That's a good try but Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stone, I'm a Rolling Stone was the name of an outstanding uh, blues hit by, by Muddy Waters back in the 1950s. Hmm. Okay. And somebody asked uh, Mick Jacker uh, early in his career, well w- what's going to be the name of your, your group? And he saw an album co- cover that said Rolling Stones. He said we're going to be called the Rolling Stones. And the rest is history. That's, <laughs> the, that's the legend, at least. Small so, group, huh? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you about. Um, I know. I noticed. Um, you know, in our first, li- uh, in our listening of the first two songs, N word. Uh, yes. These guys will throw it out there, rather you know, wherever it fits or where you know whatever. Um, now, while it's not part of my lexicon, I f- personally I feel like I I, I don't use it. I yeah. would f- I would sound awkward
1: saying it yes but what when you hear that word what's your reaction it's again it's not a word <clears throat> that i to your point i would not use in public but again in mississippi it was not a derogatory term if one person of color a black right. person uses sure. in reference to another person right uh that's my good old yeah. blank yeah but if a person who was outside that community, yeah, maybe an and a an Native American, an Indian, mm-hmm. or a white person used that term, associated with that term, then it was something derogatory, yeah, and not respectful. Yeah, I could call you my boy, right? And uh, and and not mean anything negative about it, but not anybody. So it, it's kind of an in group type thing.
0: Growing up under in in your household, I've I'd never heard you guys use the word, and I no. I never became comfortable even using, you know, so I mean, I don't know, we never even had this talk about the word. No, we
1: have not, we have not, but your your point is well taken. My parents sort of, uh, and grandparents as well, lived in an era, an era where that term was used, but they didn't use it, and let me also add in that regard, uh, they were ahead of their time in in this area. If there was a thief in our little black community in Mississippi, he was not a black thief or a white thief. He was just a thief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the kind of environment that I grew up in. I so much appreciate that because my parents had friends who were black, who were white. As a matter of fact, my, my mother was a nurse, as you my, as you know, your grandmother, and she worked with another nurse, a white nurse. They were only two nurses in this a little clinic in our little town. And this white nurse uh, was stood up at her wedding by a guy. And she never married, as far as I know, she never dated anymore after that. But anyway, she and my mother was were about the same age. And every Christmas, birthday, holiday, this lady would give me presents and baseball gloves and what have you. And I thought she was part of the family. Hmm. I know she looked different. She lived in a different part of the neighborhood than we did, but she was always in our house. Mm-hmm. My mother would visit her and take me with her to visit her in a very nice house downtown in the white community mm-hmm. and so forth. And she was, just, she was just another good friend, a good friend of my mother's and so forth. So my point is, having grown up in Mississippi in a segregated society, we had friends that were white and advised my father the same way. And uh, so we didn't put a lot of emphasis on the color of of a person. As you probably know, your great-grandfather was half uh, white, uh, which we thought was half uh, English. Turns out he was half Irish and half black, Hmm. which made me, my mother, a quarter, made me an eighth and you a fourth. Backwards? Did I I get a mcdicture? Fourth, eighth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, (laughs) you're an eighth, exactly. So my point is, I think because of my grandfather, whom I knew, Was a farmer, outstanding farmer. Uh, he didn't put a lot of emphasis, any emphasis on, on race and what have you. He served in World War One, and he was an outstanding patriot soldier and uh, brilliant guy. And he just saw people as people, individuals, not based on race. Even though the society said you got to see people based on, on on their color, he didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. And that's how I grew up. I just think. I wanted to ask you that,
0: like I said, because we'd never talked about it, and it seems to come up often. Like it's still yeah. something that I see people discussing, you know, yeah. in the news. And why can't I use this word?
1: And yeah, so I don't know. I, uh, I we didn't wanted, use it. We did yeah. not use it, and uh, and I think it's because of the the. I think in in part because of my grandfather. Okay. Hmm. Some many people did. Yeah. Uh, in a negative fashion, and and so forth, and. We didn't do that. Yet. I
0: see a lot of it, you know, with um, you know I had some of my black friends at
1: school and in college, and
0: I don't really, I don't really bristle at at hearing it. You know, it's like you said, it's kind of one of those things. What it's an in-group word, but yeah. um,
1: strange enough, we kind of associate that name at least, at least initially I did with Mississippi in the South. Having lived in Chicago, I heard it a lot in the community in Chicago, in hmm. the neighborhood. Hmm. and these you know sophisticated people educated quote-unquote yes they were using that word
0: interesting so you so it's kind of backwards then you, yeah you saw yeah. more
1: of it in the north than in the south yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah okay yeah so uh yeah well did you want to go to um your second song
1: yeah uh we'll talk about uh the second song let me mention a, a word about the artist first His name is Elmore James, and um, Elmore James, unlike Howlin' Wolf and B.B. King and others, did not, was not born in the Delta, but rather he was born in the flatlands, not terribly far from where I grew up. He grew up, I was born in a little town called Richland, Mississippi, two counties from where I lived, about 40 miles from where I grew up and so forth, and uh, Elmore James, um, was born in uh, back in uh, 1918 and he like some of the artists caught that smokestack lightning Hmm. and he went through memphis but did not stay went on to chicago and recorded with uh, stack i'm sorry with uh, chess records and was stayed did, did quite well there for a number of years and then he came back to mississippi as a famous artist and played around Jackson. And uh, he even played in my high school when I was a senior or junior or senior in 1960, 61. He was a famous blues artist playing at a local high school the, in uh, a rural town in Mississippi. <laughs> or just, that was Elmore did, James. Does, does Van break down or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that did not happen. But he came back and stayed for a while. And then, that was 1960, 61. And then in 1962 time frame, he went back to Chicago, and actually died in Chicago in 1963. Mm-hmm. But Elmore James is uh, is made uh, was made famous. Uh, he was made famous idea using the slide guitar. The slide. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. uh, is called He's called the king of the slide guitar. But that metal uh, slide that uh, gave this the, the guitar a unique uh, vibration and mm-hmm. sound and uh, he uh, had a number of outstanding uh, hits himself uh, with that and one of the uh, songs that he made famous was called dust my broom uh, and his his band was called the broom dusters do you know what what it means to dust a broom no i do not okay that's an old uh southern term which meant that as ladies most often would sweep out the house with a straw broom Mm -hmm the broom would, would catch lint and dust. Mm-hmm. And as you swept, you would stop periodically and go to the door and and wrap the broom against the, the ground, or against a rock, oh, okay. and, and get the dust out of the broom, and then go back in and collect more dust. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's called dusting my broom. Cleaning cleaning out the broom. That was dust my broom. He made a, a song called Dust My Broom, uh, famous. And the other song that we're gonna play here is uh, having to do with traveling. Okay. He's talking about uh, the idea of leaving one place and going to another because of a failed relationship with, uh, with a lady. He says in his song, look on yonder's wall and hand me down my walking cane. Hmm.
0: Okay. I'm gonna be leaving,
1: I'm gonna be walking. <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, the word yonder is another term that I find most, find most interesting. It's still used in, in England, in in proper discussions, in referring to that which is afar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, bring me yonder's pitcher of of, uh, of uh, juice or beer, yeah, or what have you, and that term has has uh, been able to survive in even the old uh, Mississippi in the South and in and, in and the, uh, the terminology. And my parents and grandparents used the word yonder, go over yonder and bring me something <laughs> and bring it back. And so that's the terms used, and uh, that's the name of uh, a great song, Look on Yonder's Wall by Elmore James. Okay. Let's check it out.
0: Yeah.
3: Look me down my walking train. i got me another woman Baby I'm Look on wall
1: That's that's Elmore James, and he referred to uh, uh, his conflict. He spent uh, World War II portion thereof in Guam himself, and returned to uh, Canton, Mississippi. But he he was a he was a war veteran in essence, and he mentions in the song that uh, your husband went to the war, and I know he was tough. I don't know how many men he he done kill, but he done kill enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be added to the list.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you got it, man.
1: <laughs> That's Elmore James. That's and great. by the way, that is his name. Uh unlike some of the artists, he didn't change his name as in some cases, like B.B. King or yeah. or Howlin Wolf. It's Elmore James is 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 the guy. He's the uh, he's uh he had a couple other hits, one of which is called He He Misses His uh Girlfriend, his wife, or a lady, and uh, he starts to cry, and he wrote a song called "The Sky Is Crying." Oh yeah, look yeah, at man. the tears roll down the streets. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard that one. Yeah, that, that's that's. Uh, I've heard that's M-O. Um,
0: Stevie Ray Vaughan do that. Same with um, Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these songs get recycled and you know remade and covered and all whatever the term you want to use, mm-hmm. but I think it's pretty cool. Um, but it's also confusing because you don't know who originally made it a lot of, t- or I don't know who yeah, originally made yeah, it, yeah, just because you yeah. know different era or whatever. Yeah. So,
1: but in addition to uh, influencing a lot of other blues artists, uh, it is noted that he influenced uh, Fleetwood Mac, Can uh, Heat, and the Altman Brothers hmm. uh, is listening to his music over the over the years. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Elmore James from uh, Richland, Mississippi, but as I said before he came back and he lived even closer to where I grew up, he lived in a little town that you've been through called Canton, Mississippi, mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: uh, which is about 20 miles north of Jackson. And uh, you had relatives who also lived in Canton, Mississippi. Uh, that's an interesting little town in itself mm-hmm. in that I, we had relatives there In the old days, back in the 50s, the 40s and 50s and so forth, people worked in sawmills in Mississippi. That was a great, uh, thriving type of industry, and sawmills would move from one town to another. So sometime back in the 1940s, a a large sawmill moved from from, uh, Alabama Mm -hmm. to my little town in Pilihattan, Mississippi. And the town just boomed uh, in terms of population growth income, people were driving good cars all Mm -hmm. of a sudden and so forth, all because of the sawmill. So did they, they would just move on though
0: after some period of
1: time After the After the wood was depleted in the surrounding areas of about 20 miles or so forth, 15 maybe, mill would move to another area where there would be a lot of uh, new trees or high growth trees, in this case pine trees. So would they, I mean, what was the rhyme or reason? Would they just
0: log it all and then just take it all? Or would there, were there some regulations that would govern how much they could take or no, they just took no it all and they just they, left?
1: They just left. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they cut the trees and the trees would, would come back and in another 20 years you'd have another growth of trees. They didn't yeah. do, do re- replanting as we do today. But my point is they would come and cut the, the large pine trees and the pine trees would, would be taken to, for the most part, paper companies yeah. to make yeah. uh, like well, international paper. International right. paper which is uh, the big mill up near Highland Wolf's hometown in Tupelo, Mississippi, in that area. And then in in Mississippi, where in town in, Milotown, in uh you had relatives on both sides of your family who worked at the mill, and when the mill left, they went, it went to Canton, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So They just followed it? It followed the mill, and then when it left Canton, it went to another place in Louisiana called Hardwood, Louisiana. <laughs> And you had relatives, the Pridgets. you remember the Pridgets? No, I don't. I'm sorry. I <laughs> remember Augusta? Yes, I do remember that name. Augusta yeah. was a Pridget. Okay. And she had two kids, uh, a daughter and a son. I can't remember their names now, but you, got the, you kn- knew them as, as small kids and so forth. But her brother moved one, two, three times. Wow. And he died in Hartwood, Louisiana at that mm. mill. That's wow. the sawmill. What was the name of the company? Do you remember? I do not know. Remember the, the name of the hot the the, the sawmill.
0: Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. Man, work, uh, work was uh, that tough to come by, or just? Well, you had it, two choices back in those
1: job. days. You had two choices: you could work as a sharecropper on mm-hmm. a farm, unless yeah. you owned the property yourself, or you could work in a public job, such as as a as a sawmill. Mm-hmm. Basically, now I'll also add is that sometimes we think that only thing that people did uh, was work for somebody else. But black people in Mississippi, Louisiana, and so forth also had property, and sometimes they were the ones who hired other people to work on their farms as well as sharecroppers mm-hmm. in, in some cases. And uh, so, but it was a good job. It worked like eight to five, or maybe I don't know, probably ten hours a day, yeah. and most for the most part uh, five days a week. If you're a farmer, you don't work five days a week. No, yeah, seven days, yeah, for exactly. Sure. And so it was a good job. Uh, in the, in my little town for for that yeah okay
0: well let's see here as we move on down the line well, now we come to sky's the limit once again by the notorious B I G this one um, I like because of the message it's a, this this one is in stark contrast to some of his earlier work um, a lot of his earlier work was you know you would talk about doing you know crime and selling a drug or, or mm-hmm. whatever? Uh, tell a story about some something that he had gotten into, but this one's probably the most um, like the most optimistic and positive song that he that he wrote um, and recorded. So, y- you guys probably always wonder why, why why I have you know his the sticker of his face on the back of my car yes, and yes, the t-shirts yeah. and yes, we do. Um, I like I like how he's he's a complex person, and I think that a lot of times, um, like especially nowadays, people have the tendency to evaluate another person that they don't know and say that person's either good or that person's either bad. Yes. Well, this person, depending on the circumstances where he's been through, what he where, he where he came from, he can be a lot of things. Like he can be someone who's you know a, a devoted father, which we've heard heard mm-hmm. him talk about his daughter. He can be you know a, a hustler, someone who's intensely um motivated to be successful um and what i find a lot of the time is that um when it comes to poor black guys who are trying to be successful and hustling it's seen as a bad thing uh the the and and when it's if it's like say a a, a white owned company um that comes and logs an entire swath of land Mm -hmm. Well, that guy's just you know making smart, savvy business moves. Right. So um, I try to separate like some of the content from the artist. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And just, saying, just kind you know, of yeah. judge yeah. the art for yeah. what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, impressed me about uh, the hip hop artist is their ability to capture things in society and put them to into lyrics that people can identify with and they tend to memorize uh not so much writing things down but certainly to get on stage and memorize these long long lines mm-hmm. that rhyme I, I find it most impressive i do too uh i can I,
0: I can't remember an entire a whole set Yeah. and these guys have multiple sets and all these songs and entire yeah. cds just
1: yeah. remem- you know just memorized and, and it reminds me of uh Johann sebastian bach in that regard hmm. And memorizing things. How so? You, you probably remember is that Bach would compose a particular piece of music, a symphony, during the week—Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and so forth—and uh, he would set it aside. He'd, he'd written all these very, very complex lyrics, and so forth. And he would play it and practice it on, on through the week, and, and so forth. Set it aside and then let it rest on Saturday, and then on Sunday. He would go to the cathedral and play it without looking at the music. Oof! And that's what these artists remind me of when they can get on the stage and remember these very long, complex uh, lyrics that they have written sometime in the past, and just yeah. comes to them and yeah. deliver it. That's what Bach did. So these guys are kind of Bach. Kinda. I mean, <laughs> that's that's.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a it's a certain skill for sure. Um, yeah. So let's get into "Sky's the Limit," and I'll see what you think about that.
2: How's everybody doing tonight? Right. I'd like to welcome All to the right. stage All the right. lyrically acclaimed. Right. Woo. Ha. Woo. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase. He went from ashy to classic. All right. <laughs> I like that. Right. Everybody yeah. right in the house, give a warm, round of applause for the notorious B.I.G. The notorious B.I.G. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for him, y'all. Uh, a nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leaves. Besides that, the pinstripes in the gray. Uh-huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. While niggas flirt, I'm throwing tigers on my shirt. And alligators. Uh-huh. You wanna see the inside? Uh-huh. I see you later. They come to the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh-huh. Wow! Why you punch me on my face? Stay in your place, play your position, uh, become my intuition. Uh-huh. Go
0: in the snake of pop, rob them while the friends ride.
1: The whole block, so, well, they might be next. Look at them, they man. Ah, big men, they never try, so we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean, of- so, uh, mm-hmm. what did you like? I liked the beat. Yeah. There's some great lyrics, I thought, uh, good uh, matching lyrics uh, that made sense. And- but I think it's just a good beat. You know? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah.
0: I th- I thought um. I thought like the the description of how he came up. Um, yes. Became more popular with with made friends as he gave as he as he got more money and um, got yeah. more attention from girls. You know, I thought I thought that was uh, you know I, I I thought it was clever. It's very it's brilliant. This is a brilliant song. I yeah. think. Um He's talking about. Having, owning two pair of jeans and sewing uh, tigers and alligators on his shirt to pass off the name brands.
1: Yeah, Lee Jean most particularly. Yeah, Lee jeans. Most people yeah. don't, I don't. is Lee still around? I have no idea. It was Possibly. very popular during my day in that regard. But uh, the, the very name of the song is also encouraging the sky is the limit. And he talks about keep on pushing if you're trying something and it doesn't work. Uh, he's, he mentioned several times, uh, keep pressing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sky's the limit, keep pressing on, the sky's the limit, Uh, uh, you can have what you want. Yeah. Great lyrics. Yeah. Uh, So. uh, I think so too. Very encouraging in that regard. Cool. All right, well who do you have? The next one is an artist uh, whose name that you don't know offhand, his name at birth was McKinley Morganfield and you know him as Muddy Waters. Well. And Muddy Waters was born back in 1913 in Issaquina, Issaquina County, Mississippi. That's a little uh, county near Rolling Forks, Mississippi in the delta uh, of that, uh, of that uh, area. And uh, Muddy Waters, as you probably know, is considered the father of modern blues. And one of my uh, claim to fame is that when you were a little boy uh, living in Wheaton, Illinois, Mm -hmm. I was en route to Indiana overnight uh, in the spring of uh, 1983, and Muddy Waters had just died and uh, I stopped on my way to Indiana to the south side of Chicago. At a funeral home where there was a wake for muddy waters mm-hmm. and so i got a chance to go in and uh view the, the body and so forth at, at the wake.
0: Respect, yeah. and
1: out in the it, there were so many people there uh you it was just a mob and uh there were all kind of uh blue artists from all around uh, the country around the city as well who had come and uh to pay their respects but uh in talking to people around uh, the area, the one person has not, who had not shown up was a blues artist by the name of Bobby Blue Bland.
0: Hmm.
1: why didn't and, he show up? Uh, well, I don't know, and I had to leave, I left probably around uh, 8, 8.30, but I did hear later on about 9 o'clock or some of, of that area, Bobby Bland showed up. He from, came from out of town. He didn't live in Chicago, but oh, okay. he did show up. My point is, many of the artists who were in the country came to that wake that night hmm. and the funeral the next day. And hmm. I was there uh, in the uh, spring of 1983. And uh, also when we lived in Wheaton, Illinois, Mother Waters moved from the city to the suburbs mm-hmm. out in DuPage County where we lived. Oh. He lived in a little town called Westmont, Illinois, which was from our house in Wheaton. It probably was about 10 minute drive. And then the summers uh, back in those days when he moved out there, he would give a free concert, which I also attended on one occasion in the park in Westmont, Illinois, to all the people in the residence. And then people from Chicago came yeah. around as well. But uh, he was quite an artist and, uh, and uh, I identified with him because uh, of uh, his background in and, and, uh, Mississippi and, and moving forward and becoming really, uh, as I said, the father of blues. And he had uh, the ability to sing well he played guitar, he played harmonica, and he wrote songs. Okay. He was a quite a talented guy, and uh, he uh, grew up on a cotton plantation in Mississippi and, and signed with uh, Chess Records, and the rest became history, and that's Muddy Waters. Let me also add, in terms of Muddy Waters, in addition to being a great artist himself, he put together, in my opinion, the best band, even though my favorite is is Howlin' Wolf, the best band in blues was formed by Muddy Waters. Hmm. He had playing with him uh, on guitar, Jimmy Rogers, outstanding guitarist, on drums, uh, Elvin uh, Evans, and on piano, the very, very famous Otis Spann. And then on top of that, those three, he had signed with his group for a period of time the same person I mentioned before, Little Walter Jacobs, the greatest uh, harmonica player in the world. Okay. Wow. All that with Muddy Waters. Can you believe what kind of sound they made? Some of the best sounds in the world. That's hmm. Muddy Waters. And then, on, on top of that, there was a bassist, a guy who played bass, also, uh, he's also did a recording of himself, but he also, he was sort of a recruiter for, for um, a Chess Records, but he was a bassist, and he was a songwriter. He wrote a number of songs for, for Muddy Waters and he was from Vicksburg, Mississippi, hmm. the town in which I taught high school for one year. Okay. I taught, taught high school science in Vicksburg, Mississippi, the hometown of this person whose name is Willie Dixon. Dixon was playing along with Otis Spann and Evan Ellis and Jimmy Rogers with uh, Muddy Waters. Okay, Willie Dixon, all right. And we're gonna listen to um, Muddy Waters and his great hit, Hoochie Coochie Man.
2: Just the one I told my mother, before I was born, you got a boy child coming, he gonna be a son of a gun, he gonna make pretty women, jump and shout, and they really wanna know
3: what
2: this all about, but you know I'm here.
3: Everybody knows him. Everybody the man. Everybody knows him.
2: I got a black cat bone I got a Mojo too I got a found the kangaroo. I got to mess with you. I'm gonna make you good. Leave me by my hand. Then the I know I'm the hoochie cookie man, but you know I'm here.
1: That was cool. That's the mighty Mighty waters.
0: That was uh, that's one of the most famous riffs that you'll ever hear in 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 music, in my opinion. That yep,
1: yep, this is true. Yep, and uh, that comes from uh, the the guitar player Jimmy Rogers and the bassist uh, Willie Dixon. Well, in terms of this particular song. Hoochie-coochie man. What does that refer to, do you think? What is a hoochie-coochie man? I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> <clears throat> hmm.
0: um, I don't know. Is it someone who's just very, very popular with ladies? Or
1: That's it, exactly. <laughs> so uh, someone very popular with the ladies, and uh, one gains popularity with the ladies in this connection here, this How's song, this? Hmm. by way of... of uh, voodoo or having a mojo hand. Do you know what a mojo hand is? Um, is it like a uh, black cat bone? Yes,
0: a black cat bone. <laughs> yeah. And like a John, a- De- John
1: De root. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so. Yeah. What I'm getting what to is... is- uh, Spanish fly type stuff? The same yes, thing? exactly yeah. so. yeah. What I'm getting to is that uh, the Delta Blues had some bit of influence by New Orleans in mm-hmm. this regard. Yeah. And New Orleans, as you well know, is the Hometown of uh, the the voodoo arts mm-hmm. that was uh, uh, developed or brought in from Africa and from the Caribbean's uh, by the the uh, the people there mixed in with the Acadians from from Canada and they became uh, the, the center of uh, black arts and so in my little town hometown of, of Pillahatch, Mississippi uh, we had voodoo artists in our town hmm. who if you wanted to. Get a job. If you wanted to attract a particular lady, you would go to this particular person, right. and he would give you a portion of of, of something. Uh, most often, not to, not to drink or to take, mm-hmm. but uh, most often it would be a, a mixture of something he puts together, and you would go and sprinkle it. At this person's house, at the <laughs> most, around their doorstep, or all, all all around around house, and then that would cause that person to do what you wanted. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was the, the voodoo man, and we also had a lady who did, you, did the did same did thing. Ever, did you ever buy any? No, I didn't. Never buy. Never bought. Come on, any man, you can tell me. <laughs> I never bought It's any Just thing. me. It's just me. But sitting here. but let me also add. <laughs> on any particular, so on the weekend, on a Friday night, on a Saturday night as people in my neighborhood were going to the clubs in the, boot, the bootlegging clubs, we had about five in my little town. Mm-hmm. The sawmill saw was running, people had a lot of money to spend and so forth. But the, the voodoo man, uh, Mr. Stokes it was his name, uh, would have in front of his house three or four cars lined up, not of black people, mm-hmm. but from people downtown who would come to get a, vo- a, a mojo hand to take back to the community to do something with. I don't know what, but, but my point is, he probably had more white customers than he had black customers. Wow, I guess you can't leave it all to chance. No, that's that's the idea of the hoochie-coochie man, and that's what Murder Waters uh, is referring to in this particular. Uh, so now, did you know other people who bought this stuff? And well, there, it? yeah, I, I think yeah, some of the some of the adult men. Most mm-hmm. I don't know any women. Some of the women. I uh, went to the other lady uh, who lived on on the on other street, uh, having to do, knowing with conflict. Yeah. The husband is running around with another lady, and she's wanting to get that stopped. And she would oh, go yeah. and have a have a session by some voodoo to put put a put an axe on her, yeah, like yeah, put a, put yeah, yeah, yeah put her. maybe put it put around the bed or for him or something like that to stop his his action. His, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that, great. Yeah, I mean, so we had we had the. Mojo hands for the women and the men in that regard. Yeah, but uh, you know some of the descendants of uh, Mr. Stokes, who was the blue, was the mojo man, and her name was Paulette. You uh, name Paulette in Mississippi, Paulette Stokes Conrad. Yes, yes, yes. That yes. was their grandfather. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So. Um, wow. Huh. Yeah, that's um that's uh the Muddy Waters and Hoochie Coochie man and I'll already mentioned before Muddy Waters played on the south side played with uh uh with the, these great artists and was uh recording with uh, Chess Records, Leonard Chess. Yeah. Played on the south side and uh Hollywood played on the west side and the conflict never ended between those two guys. But my point is that uh if you were a blues uh person back in those days, you could decide, tonight am I going to go and hear Howlin' Wolf, am I going to go hear Muddy Waters. That's a a great choice to have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It'd be like saying, do I go listen to Jay Z or do
1: I go listen to Notorious B.I.P.? That's exactly right. Exactly right. And uh, I never heard Muddy Muddy myself play, uh, Hmm. Muddy, let me also add, Muddy Waters did a lot of tours. Now he played on the south side when he was in town but he was traveling the whole country. Mm -hmm. Holland Wolf didn't travel very much. Hmm. Holland Wolf pretty much stayed at home. Holland Wolf had two daughters. Disregarding his lyrics, Holland Wolf was a dedicated family man. Hmm. He had two daughters. He spent time with his daughters and uh, his wife. And uh, as I said, he was a manager. And he, as it turns out, as far as I remember, he had at end of his his lifespan, more money than any any other artist that I knew about, because he was a manager, and, and he was uh, pain, a very very rigid in terms of how he handled his money and so forth, and uh, he did very very well. And his little house on the south on the west side of Chicago is like a three bedroom bungalow, mm-hmm. you know, it's not much bigger bigger than the downstairs here, at, and and that's where he stayed all of his career basically, although he was making a lot of money, he was stealing, and now that is is a historical site on the west oh, side yeah. of Chicago. Yeah, I'm sure. Not terribly far from the arena where basketball is played, The, uh, where, the uh, where the Bulls plays. Yeah. Not too far from that. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Okay. That was cool.
1: Uh, I certainly
0: learned a lot about uh, about the blues and enjoy listening to some of my favorite songs. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, I did mention Jay-Z, and he happens to be the next artist on the next episode okay. so right now we're going to thank uh, our listeners thank you guys for listening thank our sponsors uh 314 city gear leah Myers, uh realtor uh i want to thank q who's on the on the the, the camcorder here for the uh youtube viewership and um so we will see you guys next time thanks a lot for joining us thank you
1: indeed